0: ( reproducible) Uh, Ezra Cleveland is going to fall to us. We got a young, talented offensive tackle um, that we're going to have, you know, under contract for the next four years. General Manager Rick Spielman. Indeed, Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State is a far cheaper option than Trent Williams was. He would have cost about $12 million and you're probably figuring out how to clear Riley Reef or Anthony Harris out of there. For now, the Vikings have both of those guys, but they don't have Trent Williams and the San Francisco 49ers, who are the Vikings on steroids with the way they like to play offense. Zone block run, pound the block, and then play action. Well, they, they got Trent Williams. They wanted him bad, too. He goes back to uh, the Shanahan coaching tree where he was in Washington, where he was with Kirk Cousins for three years. Seven-time Pro Bowlers. So perhaps the biggest story of the Vikings draft is what they didn't get that they were trying to get, but, of course, couldn't agree on. Paul Allen, voiced the Vikings earlier on his show in Minneapolis today, said, uh, I mean, it was looking 50-50, if not better, for the Vikings on Friday afternoon on, on day two of the draft. And it just, just couldn't quite happen, but they wanted him. And perhaps Trent Williams was choosing the Niners over the Vikings in the final In the final outcome there, but Rick Spielman would not give us too many more hints as to what happened besides that. But I tell you another guy who was on the radio in Minnesota and is a lot Ben Lieber, the South Dakota Sports Hall of Famer, Viking linebacker from 06 to 2010, has been with the Vikings Entertainment Network, including on the radio during the games you hear Sundays on KWSN now for several years and a pretty adept draft analyst as well, since he goes all over the country on Fox sports and FS one. So Ben joins us on the tires, tires, tires fan line, Ben, uh, it was a cheaper option, but was it a better option in the long run to get, uh, Ezra Cleveland and deal with that instead of Trent Williams and deal with him and good afternoon.
1: Well, good afternoon to you as well. Um, you know, I think, I think the, the key phrase there in that question was long-term. Is it the best long-term solution to go with Hester Cleveland? Yeah, probably. You know, that's, that's the way I look at it. Uh, it it's two different, two different scenarios. If you are looking at the complete short-term this year, next year, I think you go with the, the veteran. That's not going to need a ton of, of reps to get ready. And, yes, he did sit out last year, and, yes, he's been banged up, and I know that there's some red flags there. But, you know, he's, he's pro-bowl ready. You know, he has that, that caliber in him. Uh, he has that potential. I think his muscle memory is going to come back much faster than a guy like Esther Cleveland who has to de- now learn what that muscle memory is. He's got to develop that the NFL muscle memory. You know, he's so conditioned right now to see the speed of college football and he's not going to get any OTA reps, he's not going to get any mini camp reps. We're going to be it's going to be curious to see how many training camp reps he gets. So if you're asking me, in the short term, was it a success and was it the right thing? I don't think so. I think going after the veteran was was the made more sense. Now, if you're looking at years beyond, uh, you know, even next year and years past, then yeah, I, I would say that Esra is going to develop into a heck of a player. And if they think that he has the same attributes and the same mental makeup and physical makeup as Brian O'Neill, well, he's been a home run so far. So. Yeah, I, I think that uh, he has the potential as well.
2: What have you seen, if anything, Ben, on Ezra Cleveland, uh, the Boise State? You know,
1: I at least have the ability to watch, um, you know, actual games and and not just highlight clips off of YouTube and stuff. And so I've had a chance to watch it a little bit, you know, see see how he puts together strings of plays, series of plays, plays. Um, you know, To me, I think he, he does have some work to do. I think he's he, again, like Brian O'Neill, is kind of light. Um, I'm curious to see how he's going to handle some of the, the power rush stuff, which is always a big thing for a lot of linemen coming out of college. They just don't understand the strength of some of these guys and how they can leverage their bodies and use their long arms. I mean, think about a, a Daniel Hunter now going against him in practice, and that, he, he just has no idea – what these guys can do with their bodies and how they, how powerful they can be. So he's, he's got to get better with that. I I think there are times where he does let people into his chest a little bit too much. I mean, not just with the power rush. I'm saying even just with a long arm, I'm seeing just even stabbing at his chest. I think sometimes he's not as quick to the, to the point of attack. Um, But other than that, he's got great athleticism, um, he can move really well in space. I do think that he hand fights really well, that uh, if a guy gets into his chest, he's able to knock his hands down and reestablish himself. And that's part of the battle. You're not going to win every single point of attack battle uh, in 70 snaps a game. But how do you recover? You know, how do you, do you panic in those situations? And the good thing is he doesn't panic. You know, he he handles himself really well when he's battling out there. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to like about him. It's uh, the biggest one for me is just, is just weight, you know, just getting his weight up and learning how to anchor down a little bit.
2: He's Ben Lieber. You hear him on the Vikings radio network and the South Dakota sports hall of famer here on sports talk with Craig and John on Fox sports, 98, one AM 1230 and KWSN.com with everything that has happened over the weekend with the draft, the signing of the undrafted free agents, is there still room for Everson Griffin maybe to come back as a Viking?
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I hope so. You know, I, I think, you know, we've even talked about before just what, what I feel that Everson brings to the table, um, not so much just him getting after the passer and being a three down defensive end. It's, it's more than that. I, I look at this defense and I do worry a little bit about who's going to be the emotional engine and every team needs one whether they want to believe it or not you you need your guys to fill certain roles and we have a bunch of guys that fill that lead by example role and that's great i mean shoot i I fell in that same category you know i wasn't a super vocal guy um there were other guys to kind of handle that business but when there are times where i needed to be vocal i was i i learned to be comfortable doing that now everson he's he's all of that in spades like he he is and has been the emotional engine for this defense. And, and I think this defense needs that. They need that, that piston out there. And I'm not sure who that's going to be. So I, if he wants to come back, and if, if the team is motivated to bring him back, absolutely, you're going to find space for a guy like Everson to bring back.
0: Well, I want to go back to the offensive line for a second. And just now, what, what's the situation? How does that look left to right with Riley Reef still at the moment employed by the team? Uh, $11.8 million is what he will cost the team, which was about what Trent Williams would have cost, what Anthony Harris costs. But, of course, it could be determined on what Spielman and company think of him once they actually see him. But w- what are you thinking left to right for the offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings this upcoming year, at least as of today?
1: Well, I'll go back, I'll go back and, um, and use Rick Spielman's words. And he, he talked again about how Esra is on the same path as Brian O'Neill. And if we remember right, Brian O'Neill is not supposed to be a starter in year one, you know, he, he was kind of thrown out there because of injury and circumstances. And I think that's the same plan they have going for Esra that, He's going to be the first backup that's going to get in there if Riley gets down. And, and I, I expect Riley to be the starting left tackle. You know, he's got a ton of experience. I don't think that he was necessarily the weak link last year. Of course, he could have played better in spots. But it was the interior of the offensive line that, that really was the, the problem is specifically left guard. And, and that's the question we still have. I don't know who that left guard is going to be. It sounds like Drew Samia is sort of penciled in at the right guard. You know, could he slide over the left guard and do that? Yeah, you know, it's very possible. Uh, Bradbury's, you know, cemented at, at center, and we talked about O'Neill at, at right guard or right tackle. So it's going to take one of these guys to step up and and, and fill that guard spot. I know they really like the Kyle Hinton guy out of Washburn. Um, he, he's listed as a left tackle, but he's definitely built more like a guard. And if he can play with the same power that he displayed in college, now that's low level of college, but you know, he's, he's a, you know, an all American, uh, you know, indoor hammer thrower. He, He, he can generate a lot of power. He plays with power. Um, if he can get up to speed, maybe he's your starting left guard or right guard. But wow. as of right now, I don't see a clear-cut um, you know, starting guard tandem right now that's on the team.
0: And so is is Elfline out of the picture, or do you think he still has a chance for a guy who was promising at first but has been Yeah,
1: very, yeah very promising. And, you know, all the things that I've heard is he's a guy that's not really mentioned when they talk about, uh, who who the starters are right now and what the offensive line looks like. He'll definitely be there in the mix, not to say that he couldn't improve uh, from last year to this year, but it sounds like from what they're saying that he's not really in the mix to start right now.
0: Hmm. Ben Lieber, Vikings radio and television analyst. It's Craig and John here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com, your home for the Vikings in Sioux Falls. I'm John Gaskins with Craig Matic.
2: Ben, on the defensive side, uh, name one or two guys who are going to make immediate impacts of the guys the, the Vikings drafted over the weekend.
1: Well, I think Gladney's going to make an immediate impact. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was really high on him in, in the pre-draft process. Uh, I looked at some of the defensive backs that were going to be available at 22 and 25, and he was one of those guys, along with Christian Fulton. And, and certainly Trayvon Diggs was in there, but I think we all understand that the Vikings were not going to take Trayvon Diggs no matter what. Um, and so of the two, I, I liked him above Christian Fulton because he's, he's a true shutdown corner. He's shadowed the number one receiver on every Big 12 team, and, and he's totally capable of going right to left and playing in the slot as well. So his versatility, his tenacity, and all the skill sets, think that uh, I think that he'll be an immediate impact player uh, for this team, uh, I also like James Lynch, the the defensive tackle slash lineman out of Baylor. He he's a guy that is really heavy-handed, a nice little get off. Um, he's so strong and creates a lot of separation with his hands, and and he can slide up and down the defensive line. He can line up, you know, outside shade of the tackle. He can slide down in passing situations and rush over the center. So he, he is a, a really versatile guy that th- I think people are really going to enjoy.
0: All right. Um, and what do you make overall of the Vikings using 15 picks, the most since we went to seven rounds in the NFL in 1994, and eight of those were in the last three rounds? Eleven of those were in the last four rounds after rounds one, two, and three. Uh, I, I understand two of them would have not been used had you – Hold off the Trent Williams trade, which Spielman clearly was trying to do. But still, that's a lot of picks. That's a lot of lower round picks when it's a crapshoot, Ben. Um, But how much sense does that make for what the Vikings are doing or trying to do?
1: Well, you know, if if they didn't come up, and say immediately after the first round that, Hey, we're trying to move up. You know, we, we talked to, to coach Zimmer right afterwards. And he's like, yeah, you know, you know, Rick likes to wheel and deal. And it sounds like he was trying to get up in the first round. And once he said that, it made me feel a little bit better because I, I thought the approach should have been like, let's be aggressive. You know, I'd be happy if we came out with eight or nine picks in this draft and, and that's it. As long as you, you know used it the right way and moved up and really, really, really targeted guys the guys that you wanted and got those guys. Uh, and it sounds like they did. you know, so it's kind of like it's kind of like anything else in life. Show me the effort. if you if you give me the effort, I can live with the results. And it sounds like the effort was there to be aggressive. and the effort was there to go out and get their guys. And sometimes it didn't always work. So the fact that there there were times the way the draft laid out that you could move back and still get your guy, and it sounds like that's what happened with Gladney. It was like, all right, if we're going to be in the situation nobody's going to trade up with us, and we can still ta- now target the corner that we want, and we think that he's going to fall down here, let's trade back and require some more picks. So then it just became smart. All right, if they're not going to play ball with us, let's, let's create our own opportunities. And so I thought it was a smart draft, and yeah, it's a, it's a ton of picks, um, but it's... It, it at least addressed a lot of needs, and uh, and I think they got a lot of high quality guys in the spots they got them.
0: Any more for Ben? Craig?
2: No, I just uh, I'm hoping uh, the challenge now getting everybody in their own OTAs and doing it virtually that that's going to be the toughest thing for teams, isn't it, Ben?
1: Yeah, it is, and I think that's the toughest part. Is now if if I if I step outside of my my Vikings world and and I said. I'm going to fly to Las Vegas, and I'm going to put down money on what I think is going to be an eventual Super Bowl champion. I'm going to look at veteran teams that have good quarterback play, and I think for 2020, given the fact that we're not going to have OTAs, we're not going to have an off season, these guys aren't going to develop in the in the few practices they have. I'm going to go with the the experienced teams that are going to come out of the and perform the best. Now, could the younger teams catch up? Absolutely. But we've all seen what happens when – if you have a bad first third of the season, that that can completely derail you for the rest of the season, no matter what your talent is, just because the attitudes are bad, um, you know, guys are frustrated, and you don't have the same approach into every game. And the Vikings now sort of fall into that category where they've got a really young team, and they're going to count on a lot of young guys to contribute in a big way. So, you know, how does that look? It, it doesn't look... Great, maybe not for 2020, but um, and and this is all just me speculated, obviously. But again, I would go with with more of a veteran team, and, and these all these young guys are going to need as many reps as possible. And I don't know if they're going to adjust some of the CBA rules, or they are again are allow more hours on the practice field during training camp just to kind of play catch up. If that's the case, then uh, then I think it, it it evens out a little bit more.
0: Yeah, uh, somebody's mentioned today. I think it was on the Rome show. It might have been Charles Robinson that they're looking to start training camp in July, if possible, for all these teams. What would you think of that idea, as a former player, if the unions approve this, of course? Yeah, I think if they do
1: it in a smart way, you know, if they if they basically if they start, let's say, uh, the last the last two weeks of july and that and that really becomes your otas and your and your extended acclimation period because they, they already have to have a few days of acclimation days if those become your acclimation days and it's just helmets and and no shoulder pads and you're out there and you're just installing offense and defense and kind of going through the paces I, i'm fine with that and i think the players yeah they probably had vacation time and sit in there but for the most part, everybody's kind of scrapped vacation plans anyway. Yeah. And uh, if if that's the case, I, I would say, all right, guys, this is a one time deal. Let's sign this amendment to the CBA. Let's get in. Let's get into practice. Let's do this thing um, because this offseason, NFL offseason is really long. And and I there was all, even at, even though I hated training camp, there was a time where I was like, let's just go. Let's let's, hmm. let's get in. Let's get in there. Let's get to work. And I imagine a lot of these vets are like, "All right, let's let's get to work and let's build this thing."
0: Last one: Are the Packers crazy or crazy like foxes?
1: Uh, we'll see. I guess I think they're crazy, but um, you know, I they they could all laugh at us here in three or four years. But um, you know, I just I don't see it out of Jordan Love. Maybe what they see, and I think they are sitting on a bigger bomb that is Aaron Rodgers and than they probably realize. And I don't see Rogers playing nice. I, I don't, I, I think Favre and Rogers had their disputes, but I think far was much uh, just a different personality. And I think he just kind of rolled with it. And um, he didn't cause the stir as much as, as I think Rogers could. So they, they got to be careful with how they handle this thing. Cause he, Rodgers can't be happy. And we already have seen and heard and all the rumors and stuff anyway. When yeah. Rodgers felt like hit the the control was taken out of his hands a little bit when LaFleur got there. Now it's really apparent that they want to move on from mm-hmm. him here pretty pretty soon. And so <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out that well.
0: Aaron Rodgers, Vikings, Purple 2022. i love Favre Farvin 09. How do you like that?
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I know everybody's been talking about that. Um, Man, if, if he's done up see if he's playing at a high level still uh and we and we need a quarterback at that at that point in time then then why not but, be <laughs> it'd be fun
0: it'd be fun ben thank you so much appreciate it as always
1: Thanks, no man. problem guys have at
0: as always at nacho lieber on twitter uh and we'll have our thoughts on this plus mark ovenden on the local products three from south dakota state one from augie with an interesting uh, repetition of history and Mark spoke with one of the jackrabbits that were selected. What did he get out of the conversation with Kristen Roseboom, who goes to L.A. on Craig and John? Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com.
2: Did you miss one of the awesome discussions or compelling interviews? Hear them back by going to KWSN.com. Click on Podcasts. It's easy and available anytime. KWSN.com. Click on Podcast.